0: Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Project Red podcast. I am excited as always to be here. Uh, My friend and co-host James is here too. How are you doing, James?
1: Hi, Brian. I'm great, thanks. Really excited about today's podcast. Um, She's actually one of the first people I met on my health and wellness journey, so it's amazing to hear what she's been up to.
0: That's fantastic, fantastic. And of course, our guest today is the lovely Germina de la Serna, Kamina is a ICT certified nutritional therapist, a biohacker, and a proponent of the real food and intuitive low-carb carnivore and primal lifestyle, which she applied to re- reverse her own 20 years of PCOS. That's absolutely crazy. I'm, I'm dying to hear about what that was all about. Through her protocols, she has helped hundreds of people optimize their DNA, metabolism, hormones, fertility, blood sugar, and weight. Jemina adapts the keto, low-carb, and carnivore diets as well as intermittent fasting specifically catered to women using her Keto Evolucionada and PAIP protocols. She's an international public speaker and influencer, And an educator on the power of food as medicine. I absolutely love that. Jemina, so good to have you. How are you?
2: Brian, I am so happy to to be here with you guys. Like it's just one of the best things that I could do today. (laughs) One of the best things you
0: could do today. That's the correct answer. Thank you, Jemina. (laughs) Um, it's it's so good to have you on the podcast. Like James said, we've actually we've all known each other for quite a while. And, um, you know, we, we all kind of met in, in the early days in the London biohacker scene. And, you know, for me, I was just getting into keto at that time. I think James was as well. What was your like diet when we first
1: met Jemina, James? Yeah, correct. So I'd, uh, I'd literally finished my first month on Bulletproof, I think. So it's pretty pretty much low-carb keto approach. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And, you know, Jemina, something I've been dying to talk to you about for a long time because i know this is obviously your specialities is female hormones and adapting you know the low carb high fat diet and fasting as well you know to, to the female biology because from what I can tell, it's, it's a lot easier for a man just to kind of, you know, eat as, as much fat as he wants, go as low carb as he wants, fast pretty much as long as he wants. But I know for women, um, you know, it's very, very different. Of course, women are, are a lot more complex hormonally. But before we get into that, can you just tell us a little bit about your past and, and your struggles and, and how you found your way to this ancestral living?
2: sure so yeah absolutely like what i always say is that women are not men of smaller size we are although we are very similar in many many things we are completely different when it comes to our hormonal cycles and i say our because men have hormonal cycles as well but they're very different from women's and also well, we, we will talk about that in a bit, I'm sure. So uh, as per your question of my own journey through here, well, I, was, I started showing the symptoms of PCOS at the age of 13, but I wasn't properly diagnosed, actually, until I was 26, I think. So I spent all wow. those years, yeah, I spent all those years on very heavy medication, hormonally, which I don't even want to think about the kind of damage that that did to me because obviously a 13-year-old, it's someone going through puberty. So it's when your hormones should be kind of like more more honoured or celebrated so they can actually be where they need to be. But they were shut down with medication for me and that had plenty of bad um, consequences for my health in the next years. And next decades to follow
3: hmm.
2: um but obviously they never told me that pcos really what it is is insulin resistance that's what it is and the thing is that i've always been many people think that to have insulin resistance you have to be obese or you have to be fat or even just have all the weight but i was never and um, i was what it called what it's called a lean pcos so i had all of the symptoms i had um alopecia i had very very bad acne um but those were like the main two symptoms that i had but i didn't show all the symptoms like um like obesity or anything like that so they never put mm. two and two together and he was like oh you just got acne and alopecia and then they gave me a shit lot of medication that was really bad for me and uh, and it wasn't until I was 26, 27 that I discovered what really was happening to me. And it was just because someone mentioned to me that the, the hair loss and the acne went together with PCOS. And I, at mm-hmm. that point, I didn't even know what it was, like, what are you talking about? And that's mm-hmm. when I discovered what it was, Started, started to investigate about it, and that let me after a few years that led me to study nutritional therapy that led me into discovering low carb diets that led me into discovering keto that led me into discovering ancestral living ways that led me into discovering that the fact that we are so ill nowadays is just because the human animal has put themselves away from nature as much as they can. And the more far away we get from nature, the more ill we get. So, by eating things that are not natural, i.e. all the crap that we eat, um, mm-hmm. the high carb that we eat, the <clears throat> fake food that we eat, and even when I was coming, like, like I come from a family of doctors, so in my, hmm. hu- in my house, you would never see sweets and things like that, but obviously my house was full of what was considered healthy by doctors, so I could eat 20 pieces of fruit a day, I will eat plenty of cereal. I will have mm. liters and liters of soy milk because uh, cow's milk wasn't good for me. Um, so all the things that were supposed to be good that obviously were bad. And that's what mm. took me to the point where I was very ill. And by the age of 26, I was more debilitated than I had ever been. And even more than I am now, I'm now 36. And now I feel better than I felt at 21. So that's that was my journey to discovering what was PCOS that I had PCOS that I had the genes for it and that I needed to shut that shut them down, and so okay. I got a lot into biochemistry and a lot a lot and I got a lot into epigenetics, and yeah, that's what brought me here.
0: <laughs> that's that's amazing. It's well, it's not amazing. It's it's a bit of a sad story, but there's there's two points that I want to kind of just go over there, um, just to kind of the first the first thing for me is you mentioned something about like unnatural foods yeah. now you know I think a lot of people that are listening to this and, and you know especially in the circles that we run in and even to a certain degree the mainstream we know that like the unnatural foods is obviously the processed foods, the packaged foods all the candy, all the sweets, all the microwave dinners, all that weird stuff that gets made in a factory yeah. but I think in the context I mean you can you know whether you guys agree with me in the context of ancestral Living, eating twenty pieces of fruit a day is unnatural as well.
3: Absolutely,
0: because you know if you're living in a forest or if you're genuinely living off the land, which you know it's very difficult these days, you don't eat twenty pieces of fruit a day because fruit is kind of rare. Mm-hmm. You know, any any edible plants are actually quite rare in na- in nature. Mm-hmm. So uh, something that I kind of you know would like to just. It, it, it ties in with the low carb thing. It's actually very unnatural to be eating as many carbs as we are, whether they come from sweet potatoes or fruit or processed food. Um, that's something that's very unnatural. Would you guys agree?
3: Absolutely, absolutely.
2: I don't know
1: if you want me to absolutely. comment on
2: that or James. Yeah.
1: I think it's interesting that's obviously that's still a whole food, and a lot of people who start their health journey will say, "I'm going to eat whole foods. I need a lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables." And they don't realize the sugar content of fruits is so high and can actually cause just as many problems as the processed foods that they've replaced them with. I think it's that education piece that's kind of missing and the understanding of what food actually does to your body.
2: Mm. And it's actually yeah, two and- things with fruit as well, like you mentioned. It's like one of them, like you said, fruit, like just go and talk, take a walk on the park, take a walk, not even on the park, just go hiking and take a walk and tell me how many times during that walk you come across edible fruit in your walks Mm. very rarely very rarely and only in in very particular times of year you will find some edible plants in your walks and also the fact that i don't know but um people don't know this but about i think it's about only one percent of plants are edible to humans so Mm. really we don't have a lot to choose from and and the other thing will be as well that fruit nowadays has nothing to do with fruit—the fruit that our ancestors ate or found. Mm. Uh, it's it's been modified to be extremely gigantic, extremely sweet, yeah. lacking mm-hmm. seeds, so there is more of the meat that is sweet. And uh, mm-hmm. yes, it's completely unnatural.
3: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it is. And and in the same in the same vein, you can you can say to someone like, "Go for a stroll in the forest or the park or the mountain and look for vegetables." Mm-hmm go and go go and find some broccoli growing mm. on the side of a mountain you know or grow go and find you know a a sweet potato patch it's
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know it's 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 almost impossible to find in nature, and if you do find it it's it's like the the heirloom variety of the vegetables which are usually a lot smaller, they taste a lot worse they're not you know you certainly can't eat them raw no. so um you know it's 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 an interesting point that I thought, and the second thing I would like to ask you is. I am vaguely aware of what PCOS is, but can you give us a short definition for people who don't know?
2: Sure, I love it. PCOS uh, stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. Very wrong term because it brings a lot of confusion. So polycystic ovarian syndrome, if you think about the name, will be telling you that you've got cysts or many poly as in many cysts. Mm-hmm so many cysts in your ovaries so people think and i'm not just talking people on the street i'm talking doctors because i get patients every single day telling me that oh my doctor did a scan um, um an ovary scan ultrasound and he told me i've got polycystic ovarian syndrome because i've got cysts in my ovaries and i go like mm. what the fuck like honestly <laughs> Like, first of all, and I just gave last week, I gave a class online for one and a half hours explaining to people how their ovaries work. The thing is that 99% of women worldwide have no idea how the reproductive system works. No idea. Like, no idea.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And men, even less.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is that one of the things that people don't know is that the job of your ovaries is to make cysts. That is the job of your ovaries.
3: Because
0: to make cysts.
3: Yeah.
0: Woof. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not see other... I'm see already I'm I thought cysts was something negative. I thought, you know, when you have a cyst you have to get it removed.
2: Yeah, well, um let's let's try to make this story very short because otherwise we could be here for an hour and a half. But basically every..: okay. a woman so every every ovary is full of follicles. Every follicle will have an egg inside, and oh, and and yeah, an egg. And so every month, your ovaries will develop around twenty follicles in a race to mature an egg. So eventually, on your ovulation day, one of those follicles will uh, break and will release the egg. That means mm-hmm. that twenty follicles will become bigger and will become cysts they are mm. functional cysts they are cysts that are there because you are growing eggs for ovulation eventually when you ovulate and you usually ovulate for, from just one of those from just one of those follicles uh, the other follicles will be reabsorbed by the body so if on your say on your on your ovulation day or the day before you get an, um, an ultrasound your doctor is going to see about 20 cysts in your ovaries. That doesn't mean you've got polycystic mm. ovary syndrome. That means that you're about to ovulate. So, oh. and so that, that's the thing. And, and people don't know this. And the number one thing is that polycystic ovary syndrome cannot be diagnosed by, by ultrasound. It needs to huh. be diagnosed by symptoms. And the symptoms are the symptoms of insulin resistance. And many doctors nowadays co- even call it the, the diabetes of the ovaries. It's just another way your body shows insulin resistance. So the symptoms are alopecia, um, acne, and you can have one, two, or all of them. Alopecia, yeah. acne, um, uh, obesity, or very difficult to lose weight, especially around the middle area. Just like any any other diabetic, um, dark patches in your body, which is insulin resistance again. You could have also hair as a woman, hair growing in areas that a woman will never will usually not grow hair. And why is this mm-hmm. happening? So it's like a it's like um it's like a woman becomes a little bit more masculine in the in her in their hormones. So the mm-hmm. hair loss, the acne, the hair in the body and in the face. And why is this? It's because they are not ovulating because the um, insulin resistance is a, it's, a, it's kind of like a complex path, but what ha- happens is that insulin resistance um, impedes the ovulation. and when you're not ovulating, you can't have balanced hormones and then mm. free testosterone starts to grow in you. You've got no progesterone because you're not ovulating and then that's month after month after month after month at the end you start showing the signs of excess testosterone because you're not ovulating so basically polycystic ovarian syndrome what it is is insulin resistance and that insulin resistance brings that you're not ovulating and the lack of ovulation brings the symptoms of polycystic ovarian syndrome
0: wow that um, it's actually quite mind-blowing. It's, you know, another um, condition that is affected by sugar. Absolutely. Having too much sugar in the diet.
3: And
2: that as soon so, as I- you stop the insulin resistance, you stop, you start ovulating again. And when you start ovulating again, then the whole cycle and the whole hormones get on track. But the thing, yeah. and then, then you get the other problem, which is what do women get? Um as a drug for their polycystic ovarian syndrome, they get diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, and they get the pill, which doesn't <clears> solve <throat> anything. It's just a way to shut down your hormones so you don't show the symptoms while the damage is still happening in you. Oh so my God. basically, it's just a way for your doctor to be like, "Oh, I'm, I feel I feel calm now because this woman is not showing symptoms, so I can just like, you know, I, I put I put like." I shut it down, so I don't have to worry about
1: it.
3: It's not very yeah, scary, scary, isn't it? It's very scary. It's just it's that classic... Extremely scary.
1: That <clears throat> it's just <a> the <throat> medical approach of just putting a band-aid over the problem to mask <laughs> any symptoms and not actually addressing the underlying root cause there.
2: Correct, exactly. With the added problem that this medication, which is one of the most damaging medications that there are, is being given to women. So, so the, the side effects of that are... Poundless and very, very dangerous. I'm, I'm and completely. is at 13,
1: it? is that right? Yeah, at 13. Imagine that. Wow, that's
0: that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, it, from what you said about um, you know women getting a scan, if, if they get a scan just before they ovulate, they, they're going to be showing all these um, cysts on the ovaries. Mm-hmm. That makes me think that there's just millions and millions of misdiagnoses going on.
2: Absolutely, and completely. Absolutely, and completely. And the the, the right diagnosis is that if they've got the other symptoms, hair loss, acne, hair on their bodies, uh, obesity, then they have to be properly diagnosed with insulin resistance, not with polycystic orient syndrome.
3: Yeah. And not be given
2: the pill, because it's not a hormonal problem. It's an insulin resistance Mm. problem. Which, yeah, it is a hormonal problem because insulin is a hormone, but you know what I mean. It's not a reproductive hormone problem.
3: Hmm.
1: You mentioned genes in particular and the epigenetics you've been studying. So are there specific tests people can do to look at their underlying DNA and see if they have predispositions to PCOS? And how is that correlated to insulin resistance and diabetes as well?
3: Okay,
2: that is super interesting because... People are always looking for what test can I do to see if I've got PCOS. And I go like, the only test you need is, do you have the symptoms? If you have these symptoms, you have insulin resistance, then don't worry about the PCOS. Correct the insulin resistance and the PCOS, if you have it, will go. And the rest of problems that insulin resistant, resistance brings will go as well. But obviously, there is... There is a case where you can have excess um, excess testosterone because of other things or excess prolactin because of other things. For example, you can have a prolactinoma in your pituitary gland. So in that case, you just have to test for that. Basically, if there is no other reason for you to have high um, male hormones in your body, then... The reason is insulin resistance. And um, how you can see if you have predisposition to this? Well, every I want to make this clear. Every human, every homo sapiens on earth has predisposition yeah. to, to insulin resistance. Because mm. our species is not made to eat large amounts of carbohydrates. Because we as a species are not made to eat large amounts of carbohydrates. If we eat large amounts of carbohydrates, we're going to develop insulin resistance sooner or later. It's not about if, it's about when.
0: So, so mm-hmm. I, I've heard, you know, every now and then, well, one of our guests, I think, recently, and I've obviously heard it many times, um, people say things like, um, some people thrive on a high-carb diet. Um, and i've always kind of like i mean i obviously don't know enough about it to to really argue the point but i always think to myself you know like what you've just said there most all humans are not supposed to eat that much sugar because you get all that insulin spiking and then the resistance and all that so what is your opinion when someone does say to you like oh i do much better on a high carb diet well first of all i will have to see if
2: that's true checking a lot of Biometrics and and seeing really that person is actually thriving. Um, but also, I would say if you are a a very very like if you are an athlete, very intense athlete, you can do with a lot more carbohydrates than a person but it's not moving a lot every day, mm. because obviously the bigger your muscles are, the more space you're going to have to save glycogen to store glycogen, Mm -hmm. and if you can store a lot of glycogen, then that's not going to be in your bloodstream. It's going to be in your muscle. So if you've got massive muscles, you probably can eat a lot more carbohydrates than someone that's got very few, like, small muscles.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Other than that, an everyday person with a normal mm, muscle mass uh, who says that can thrive on a high carbohydrate diet? Then we can also check points like okay, um, we will we'll be getting into something that Ted Naiman talks about a lot, which is fuel toxicity or energy toxicity. And he arguments a lot about, and and I agree with him that one of the worst things that's happening to us today is energy toxicity. I we eat too much energy. Or mm. our lives, for the kind of lives that we that we eat. But he says that usually it's because we eat both sources of energy together in excess, carbohydrates and fat. So we all know that one of the worst things that you can do is eat carbohydrates and fat in huge amounts together. Yeah. Usually, if you just choose one of the two uh, without the other, you're usually like better off and you can Mm. be more or less okay the thing is (laughs) to get enough nutrients from a high carb diet you have to eat a lot and then we are going to be on the limits of eating just too much carbs as well for ourselves and eating Mm. like Spiking our sugars too much, so it's a lot. It's a lot to talk about, to think about, and it's a it's a debate that I love to have, and that we could talk about more if you want. But um, usually, for the average person with the average body, uh, and even an active person with an active body, doesn't need to be like super like um, um how do you call it when you don't move a lot in English. <laughs> Um, sedentary. sedentary thank you very much sedentary I'm not even talking about that's people it. who are very sedentary but most of us me myself I'm not a sedentary person and I do very well on pretty much zero carb
3: yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm. um, and that, that's you brought it up another important point there which you know I, I know I was shocked to hear um, when I went you know from my vegetarian days onto keto and then you know ultimately keto carnivore um, is that vegetables are actually not that nutritious Mm-mm. you know a, a lot of people don't know that because of you know the media and the marketing like broccoli is supposed to be so good and kale and this and that and it's so high in this mineral and that vitamin but when you when you really break it down most of those those plant nutrients are not bioavailable mm-hmm. you know they're, they're a different form that the body can't use so then the mm-hmm. first the body has to process them and change them into the form that the body can mm-hmm. use. Um, And in in that process, you're you're losing a lot of that nutrient anyway. So, you know, that's just to kind of go over your point there where if you are on a, you know, a standard Western diet or or some kind of a high carb uh, vegetarian or plant based diet, you need to eat so many vegetables just to get a decent amount of nutrients. And of course, to eat that high amount of vegetables, you're just you're eating so many carbs as well. So you're you're just really flirting with with an insulin problem there right now,
2: and so many anti nutrients as well as and toxins. Mm-hmm. So and the anti-nutrients. together, together with those micronutrients, you're gonna be eating a lot of oxalates, a lot of phytates, a lot of um, all the anti nutrients that are in plants. Yeah. So to the we're adding bad to the like worse to the bad, which is we're eating very few nutrients from plants. Uh, and on top of that, they come with anti-nutrients and don't let us absorb those nutrients that we're eating. So in the end, it's like any any nutrition we're getting from them is being negated by the anti-nutrients. So mm-hmm. it really is not efficient at all. <laughs>
3: it's not it really isn't no
0: and you know i know i know you guys know and i know some of our listeners will know already because i've spoken about it before but i experienced Mm -hmm. the whole anti-nutrient thing Mm. you know very very clearly in my own body because i was in pain all the time Mm -hmm. you know as literally as soon as i went vegetarian my, my body pain my physical pain just went up everything was sore all the time my joints everything um, you know, and I know, anti-nutrients for a lot of people is they've they've never heard of it before, oxidates and the are a real idea,
3: problem.
0: Yeah, the idea, yeah, oxidates exactly, and, and the idea of saying, to, you know, whenever I have this discussion with with a, a new person that I've met, and I mention these the the anti-nutrients, it's it's almost like a conspiracy. It yeah. sounds ridiculous. When you say like, yeah, actually, broccoli is not that great for you. Kale is not that great for you. And, and you go into it and people look at you like you're crazy, <laughs> yeah. which I do understand because since all of us have been alive, vegetables have been the, the saving grace of everything. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a mindset. I mean, it's, it's like an education thing, you know, like it's like the high fat diet. When someone first says to you, no, 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 don't eat carbs, just eat tons and tons of fat you think to yourself what
1: are you crazy
0: the fat is going to get stuck in my heart i'm going to get fat i'm going to get sick um you know it's these these topics actually it's it's a great point this this topic will will need to do a whole whole podcast on um you know why fat is good for you and uh and what anti-nutrients are
3: absolutely it's a
0: whole other series so um You know, when, Jemina, when you kind of started learning about all of this and, you know, I presume, well, I know that you started changing your diet, what was that like, you know, initially, like on day one, when you decided to start eating more fat and then to ultimately lead to carnivore, have you got a a story about how that was for you and your mind and your body?
2: It was a complete change of everything, everything, because I came, so at the end of my sick life, (laughs) I was Hmm. doing a lot of bodybuilding and I went to a very kind of like dangerous place where I was training pretty much every day for over an hour, every single day with no rest. And I was eating barely a thousand calories a day, high carb, extremely low fat, extremely low fat. Um, Hmm. Everything just to lose, you know, like the bodybuilding world, which is absolutely crazy. Like it's some, it's somewhere I don't want to go back to. Um, just to yeah, get sure. low enough on body fat and, and everything. Else. It was just really bad. And that left me with, after that, I lost my period for a year. And that's kind of like the worst thing that can happen to a woman. When a woman loses her period or where the period start to become very... Um, kind of like light and not coming every yeah. month or only bleeding for a day things like that that is extremely dangerous that is telling you a lot and that is as a biohacker it's it's something that women have that men don't have like we have our periods to tell us a lot about our health a lot every month it's like a, it's like a check card that will tell you how your health was during that month. It's incredible. Um, wow.
0: Okay. And so we need to we need to talk about that actually yes, yes. after this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's
2: talk about that. So I'll, I'll go quickly on my own story, which is I that def- I finally got fed up with not having my period and feeling horrible because I was feeling horrible all the time, and started keto and decided to let go how did you discover keto of interest well because of the pcos thing that i just told you before how when that was happening i was discovering that my pcos was related to insulin resistance so i was um, at the point of saying okay let's start this this new way of eating like let's do it it, it all coincided it was all at the same time it synchronized and the first thing that I had to do was let go of control, which, when you are a bodybuilder, control is everything because you weight mm. and measure every single piece of food that goes through your mouth, twenty-four-seven, all the time. And I'm a very—I've got a lot of willpower, which goes for me and against me as well, because <laughs> obviously I can do things that are extremely uncomfortable just because I got the willpower to do them. So. Um when I let go of control and started eating to satiety and eating high in fat, my body was so starved of fat and, and fatty acids, essential fatty acids, so starved of food. Not even just fat but food. The amount of food, the hunger guys, that I had my like, the, my, my ex-partner back then, we used to go out for, like, for eating, and I would eat my plate, my dinner, I would eat his dinner, and he would even tell the, the, the table next to us, hey guys, if you leave anything, just give it to my girlfriend, she'll eat it. <laughs> I was eating like a, like, a, like a big man, incredible. And that was because my body was like, okay bitch, now we're going to get you, we need to get back to health. So I probably put about put on about ten kilos in six weeks. Okay. So I recovered weight very fast thanks to keto, and obviously that was very shocking. And obviously you got people telling you, "Oh, you're getting fat." Have you realized? And you're like, "No, fucking way, really." <laughs>
0: so, wow, well, nice friends. Huh? Yeah, yeah.
2: No, not even friends. It's just people like, "Oh, you're getting clumpy and you're like, "And oh, you're a fucking idiot." <laughs>
0: you're getting plumpy, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh my god if if Jesus Christ, if anybody ever says that to me,
2: oh God, you're
0: getting plumpy yeah
2: it's just it's just ridiculous the thing is that thankfully I've got good uh self love so I would just tell them whatever is go like yeah or something like that anyway, it doesn't matter the yeah. thing is that the thing is that I let go of control keto helped me uh to recover my periods after probably five months of keto then I saw my first period after being a year without them. And I had to release control and during my first two years on keto, I carried that extra weight and it never went away. It was like my body was was like firm on, girl, you've starved us for months, if not years. Uh, Now we're gonna keep this extra weight just because we don't know when you're gonna do it again. Mm. So, when my body actually decided to trust me again it it released that extra weight on its own. I didn't change anything um it was all a it was very humbling the the whole thing to see my body adapt and to see my body do its thing without me intervening and so it was the best thing ever but yeah it was a harsh wow. lesson
0: yeah it's um I found, you know, for myself as well, when I first discovered the high-fat diet, um, it was just, it's its such a head-wrecker because, you know, you have to cover everything in oil and eat way less vegetables and more meat and more fat. And, you know, even my own conditioning at that point, I was like, this is crazy, man. This can't be right. Mm. But, um, you know, just like you, when um, as soon as my body got back to health and got back to strength and the joint pain went away and the the, um digestive issues went away and then of course i also got tested because you know in the back of your mind you're having a little panic attack about your cholesterol and all that (laughs) so i got tested and it's perfect it's always perfect you know when i was bulletproof keto and now keto carnivore it's always fine hormones are fine Mm -hmm. there's no nutritional deficiencies it's it's truly incredible, and I don't,
2: I don't, um, I don't even like supplement with anything because I, when I show no. my tests on YouTube, like I have a big YouTube channel, um, and I like to show my tests, and I always tell people, and it's true, I don't supplement. What you see in those tests is just food. That's it.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's incredible, and and that's another thing. Like when I was plant based, you know, there's there's the line between food and supplements is so blurred <laughs> because you know I'm. I'm eating, a, I'm eating a, a, a plate of vegetables, but then I'm having a smoothie with all these different powders and cacao and all these, you know, seeds and nuts and uh, maca and all these ground up roots and all that. And it's like, well, is this a supplement or is this a food? Like, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Really, really, really crazy. So, um, a little bit of education for myself and probably a lot of people out there uh period as a sign of health and you you said that you know your period is basically your marker to see how healthy you are what do you mean by that how does that work
2: well women are so men are much more hormonally men are much more resilient than women but that's that's just because we need to carry life so Mm. when 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 we're going to procreate a woman has to carry the baby for nine months and it's probably if not surely the most metabolically demanding features that there is in in nature um, okay. and that's that's the reason why for example is one of the theories and the i think the most uh believed theory on why babies human babies are born so Kind of like incompetent james will know about
1: it. useless <laughs> only too well at the moment i know
3: we in are Europe. absolutely useless when we're born which doesn't happen <laughs>
0: some some adults born. are useless too
3: oh yeah
2: <laughs> but this doesn't happen in nature um other animals are able to walk minutes after they they're born and you know humans are completely useless for many years actually (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) and our brain doesn't stop like developing until we're in our 20s so Mm. imagine the metabolically demand the metabolic demands that a human fetus is for a woman Mm. and uh, also when after after pregnancy the woman still has to feed this baby for at least a couple of years So, again, another metabolic challenge for the woman. So, the woman has to be pretty much in the most prime condition to be able to do this. And that's why Mm -hmm. um, women, uh, our periods, are so telling of optimal health. Because if our cycle, not just our period, our period is the beginning of a cycle. The whole cycle is healthy. It means that that woman is very healthy because she can carry life and she can foster that that um, fetus and she can feed that fetus later on. So, by tracking your whole cycle, not just your period, but your whole cycle, if you can, but we, I, I'm, I'm a teacher of the fertility awareness method, which is a method that helps you both prevent
3: pregnancies
2: and achieve pregnancies naturally with zero. Yeah things involved and it's also scientific so it's not just counting days this is scientific um and if you are able to do that and if you are able to try your your whole cycles you will know that you are healthy if every month you ovulate you can actually just like raise your hands and go like amen and everything and sing a song because it means that you have been healthy for the past three months by the way because a cycle lasts three months not just one month a whole cycle is three months. You have been healthy no. enough during three months to be able to ovulate. And that is a sign of optimal health.
3: <clears throat>
1: While you're tracking as well for over the, the cycle, where does period pain fit in that as well? Because some people may have a regular cycle, but then they get excessive pain. And again, I don't know too much about it, but how is how does that link in with the health of the individual?
2: Absolutely. Pain, uh, a period should be... It, it, it it can be a little bit painful but it should be a kind of pain that doesn't need you to take uh, painkillers and doesn't need you to stop doing your normal life for a day maybe you don't want to go and train maybe you don't want to do crossfit on those days but you should be able to live your life normally and do your normal tasks without excruciating pain so excessive pain yes is a sign of inflammation usually chronic inflammation in the body so usually if you are insulin resistant, you will have high inflammation. If you are eating too much vegetables and too much anti-nutrients, you probably have inflammation in your body hmm. because of oxalates. Hmm. Uh, if so those you-
1: individuals who, who basically are bound to a sofa because of, you know, incapacitated by the pain on a monthly basis, they should start looking at... Other markers that might say they are they, on the potential of getting PCOS or other insulin resistance kind of s- symptoms.
2: Absolutely. Then we have things like endometriosis, which um it's um it's again, endometriosis is not a hormonal illness, it's a it's an inflammatory illness triggered by hormones. And that's why women with endometriosis feel more pain during certain p- parts of the cycle because it gets triggered by the hormones, but it's inflammatory, it's inflammation. And one of the things that affects that inflammation, especially for periods in women, unfortunately, it's dairy. Uh, so most women- actually, Dairy, did you say? Yeah, dairy.
3: <laughs> okay.
2: Most women don't do well with dairy, and most women who stop dairy completely they can they can still have ghee they can still have butter, but probably not more than that. Most women who yeah. completely stop dairy for 60 days or three months even will see a very very sharp reduction on period pain. And this is because dairy can stimulate cytokines, which make the inflammation worse and especially if you are prone to endometriosis then dairy is a no-no for you it is a no-no for me <laughs> and i don't have endometriosis but uh it gives uh-huh. me extremely painful periods mm. even mm. even like proper dairy raw actual i try raw and pasteurized jersey cow dairy <laughs> it will still give me painful periods or acne, even.
0: What about uh, what about uh, goat's milk products? Is that uh, w- would that fall under the same restriction?
2: Yes, because it's nothing to do. You're talking about goats and sheep, and I just said Jersey cows because they've got A2 protein as opposed to A1, which is even more inflammatory to humans. But it's okay. not it's not all about the A2 protein. It's about dairy being a cytokine 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 um, a yeah. stimulant and cytokines will stimulate that that inflammation in women and it's got nothing to do with the protein a2 or a1 unfortunately um i can still eat some goat cheese or sheep cheese maybe once a month and have a normal period Mm -hmm. but it will be a small amount and just once a month yeah uh if i overdo it then i will develop acne straight away headaches so, symptoms of inflammation. And I will have a, a, a painful period that month.
1: Is there a place for dairy in anyone's diet, do you think?
2: <laughs> I don't think it's a, it's a necessity. Um, I think it's delicious. And I think if you can tolerate it, I am happy for you because <laughs> I think it's delicious. But not really, no. I don't think. I don't think it's got things that we need that that we can't get from from all the animal products
0: yeah mm. it's, it's such a shame because you know dairy does mess with me as well mm. it, it you know it causes me mucus mm. and digestive issues but it's so good <laughs> man i love a glass of milk i love cheese i love yogurt <laughs> i even love ice cream mm. but it just um oh i've got yeah, great ice cream recipes much. that don't require any dairy
2: and are better even Try the Bulletproof. The Bulletproof ice cream by Dave Asprey. Okay. It's dairy-free. I mean, it's got butter, but I don't consider butter really dairy because it's mostly fat and it doesn't give me any problems. Delicious.
3: Delicious.
0: I will. I actually forgot about that because I was, you know, I started with Bulletproof a long time ago, so I did i did i was kind of aware of all these amazing bulletproof desserts but i forgot about that Actually, yeah, it's you really bad
2: every time i make uh, it everyone okay. goes crazy and they can't even they, oh. like they can't believe that it's got no dairy
0: i'm <laughs> gonna look into that for sure yes. so um now what about what's your your lifestyle like right now so you are are you you're 100 carnivore is that right
2: uh, i would carnivore just because I do have coffee. So if I say I'm carnivore 100% and then I drink coffee, then maybe they will throw me into the fire.
3: (laughs) Yeah, the the carnivore police are going to come and get you. The carnivore
2: police are going to come at me. So I do drink coffee. I have I will have an avocado if it comes my way. I'm not going to say no to whack. Um, I still enjoy coconut every now and then. But that would be about about it. I don't I don't eat anything else. I don't think that on top of my head. No, mm-hmm. I'm, now with the quarantine, being carnivore is like the easiest way because it's just you just fill your freezer and that's You don't have to worry yeah. about going to the, the shop or anything. You've got meat in your freezer. It's beautiful. Mm.
0: That's that's my favorite thing about you know I'm I'm keto carnivore so I guess I'm you know I'm like you I, I'll eat an I mean I live it on an avocado farm Yay. so there's nice. always avocados coming my way nice. um, so <laughs> I eat you know I have my steak with my with my avocado. Um, and if I'm training particularly hard, you know, if I'm having a few heavy sessions in a row or I know tomorrow I want to do a big sprint session, then I'll have some kind of carbs, you know, usually a little bit of fruit because Mm -hmm. it tastes so good, Mm -hmm. um, or a little bit of white rice, but it's, it's definitely not a staple. Um, that's interesting. So, and, and what about your workouts? How have they changed or have they changed? Are you working out right now or how does that go?
2: Are you talking about the quarantine right now, or the right now, as in after my bodybuilding career?
0: <laughs> I guess I mean both. Let's do both. Like, I guess a little bit of insight into quarantine life is not bad, and then in general, like, how are you? Because you've, I mean, we are talking about hormones, right? Yeah. So that's it's another question that I have is. How does your, you know, how does your hormones, the the female cycle, does it, does it affect the intermittent fasting window? Are you recommending fasting for, for women that are high fat? Um, And that also ties into workouts. So I'm just, I'm just trying to get a bit of clarity for myself and for listeners really.
2: So workouts, I, the one thing, the one great thing that came out of bodybuilding was weightlifting. I completely Mm. fell in love with weights. I love the iron so much. The only difference is now I don't restrict what I eat, like I eat this way and I will never count another calorie in my entire life and I will never restrict my my hunger, like if I'm hungry I eat, Mm. if I'm not hungry I don't eat and that's it. Uh, So yeah, I still lift weights, I also do martial arts and I'm also a very, very, very passionate salsa dancer. (laughs) Yes. So I'm very active. and that but you can see like the only really like would you call it cardio that i do is the dancing but it's because it comes with it like yeah. there's no way to dance without doing cardio <laughs> but i don't go yeah. and run i i've never liked cardio in my entire life i never i've always been a sport a sports person but i never like sports that require that cardio uh, endurance and i admire people who can do it because i really hate running and hate doing anything that gets my heart like continuously feeling like it's like boom, 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 boom. boom. No, I'd rather just do yeah. weightlifting where your heart goes like that for a few seconds and then it rests. Um, yes. And I always have to say as well that doing that crazy cardio that most women do because I mean nowadays it's changing, but obviously when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, The thing that women do was aerobics (laughs) and running in the treadmill. And that was Mm. it. So it was cardio, 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 cardio. That can affect your hormones a lot. A lot. Because
0: Because it releases the stress hormones. Is that right?
2: Correct. Correct. Like, think about why would you run in nature? Like, if you were our ancestors, why would you run continuously for endless hours? Because you were running away from danger. Mm. So, yeah, being const in a constant state of cardio is like being in a constant state of fl- fight or flight response. So that will affect your hormones a lot. Mm. Um, but the other, the the other like bodybuilding and all of that, I discovered that if you eat correctly, if you eat enough to sustain your activity, meaning eat when you're hungry, then your hormones will be good. Like my hormones are amazing. Since I've been keto, I've ovulated every month for the past four years, every month without missing one. And I'm coming from 20 years of PCOS, which means that I wasn't ovulating before. And now I've ovulated every month for the past four years. And and I keep my training like this. obviously don't train seven days a week like I used to. Now I would lift weights Like I will mix my martial arts with lifting weights. So if I do a day of martial arts, I'm not gonna do weightlifting as well. Like I'll do one or the other, and I'll do it yeah. to enjoyment. I don't do it to to training anymore. You know, I do I just do it because I enjoy the one hour or forty minutes that I do of it, and that's it. And if the following day I don't feel like doing it, then I don't do it. And if I get a whole week where I don't feel like working out, I don't work out for the whole week. Nothing happens. Mm. and that and then your
0: hormones will be fine okay and and do you do you um plan i mean do you have a plan for your workouts like monday's a heavy day tuesday's martial arts um and do you do you time that plan with your like with your hormonal cycle during the month because i you know i'm vaguely aware that there's certain times of the cycle where the female testosterone is a lot higher, so you might perceive yourself to be stronger and more energetic. Is that something that uh, plays a factor in your workouts, or you don't even think about it? Yes,
2: but as well, I'm a huge proponent of listening to our bodies. Like our ancestors, did not have calendars. They did. They did not. They did not have biohacking. Like they didn't have things to measure themselves to know when we're like. When do I need to eat? I need to eat at 10 a.m. because my biorhythm is doing this or that. No, they leave when they, whenever they were hungry. So I just listen to my body. And I always say to my clients, just listen to your body. And it will tell you exactly what it needs when it needs it. And it just ties yeah. perfectly with what you say. For example, on my follicular phase of my cycle, which is the phase that goes from your, the day one of your period until the day you ovulate, you're very high on estrogen you're high on testosterone, you're high in a wonderful estrogen called estradiol, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, And that gives you a lot of uh, strength, energy, uh, endurance, and you will feel like you want to work out more. You just do. And also it's an appetite Mm. suppressant, so you will feel less hungry. Um, So you just go for it because your body is telling you to go for it. It really does. And it's amazing. As soon as you ovulate, about a week after you ovulate or five days after you ovulate, like obviously progesterone goes up as immediately as you ovulate. And progesterone is a calming hormone. And your estrogen goes down and your testosterone goes down. So you start feeling more mellow and you start feeling more like, "Mm, I don't really want to like lift, I don't know, 80 kg today. Maybe I'll lift 50 kg today. Or I don't feel like go and fight a big sweaty man at the kickboxing class. <laughs> I'd rather, just did yoga on my own today. Okay. So, that,
3: um,
2: so if you listen to your body, you exactly, and it always goes with the moment of your cycle that you are on. Always, and when you hmm. feel that you want to go for it, it's usually in your follicular phase. When you feel like you don't want to, you're usually on your uh, Luteal phase, which is the phase leading to your period, and and progesterone okay. is an appetite um, and and have enhancer, so you feel more hungry as well, and you want to eat more, and you should eat more. Um, so you just go with your body, and it will tell you exactly when to stop fasting as well. Mm. I fast every day, but I don't fast as in oh, I'm gonna count the hours I fast. No, I just have dinner. Mm. And I like to leave at least three hours from dinner to bedtime just because otherwise I would be like, mm-hmm. oh, when I go to bed and I don't feel well. And then the following morning, I will break the fast as soon as I get okay. hungry. And usually that's some days that looks like 14 hours of not eating and some days that looks like 18 hours of not eating, but it's never the same. Sometimes I get hungry at 8 a.m. Yeah. and I will go and eat. And it's usually on my usual phase mm. and sometimes I won't get okay. hungry until 1pm, so I won't eat until I'm hungry, so just listen.
3: Okay.
1: You mentioned your, how you structure your training around obviously your hormonal panels and things and you know, throughout the course of the month, and we've been speaking to in particular some women's football teams recently, and they've started looking at each individual athlete's hormones and structuring their training around um, their hormone panel and how it fluctuates throughout the month. I mean, how do you incorporate that into your training and structure as well?
2: that i love that they're doing that because for the first time like they're listening and um, as i just said every woman every every biological woman will know that there are times in the month where you really cannot give your 100 percent you cannot like you don't feel it you're not able to and there is a reason for that and there is a hormonal reason for that and there's a very good reason for that and you shouldn't be doing it because that's what your body is telling you so the way that I structure my, work, my workouts is obviously I know when I'm ovulating, I know when I'm on my luteal phase, and I know when I'm on, when I'm on my follicular phase. So um, if on day one of my period I feel too tired and too sleepy to work out, maybe I won't work out a lot. But then I know that three days later, my estrogen is gonna start going up and my testosterone is gonna start going up. So I can look forward to probably lifting the most weight. And then if on day three, four or five, I go to lifting weights because I start feeling really strong and I go like, oh, I really want to lift today. I know that that day I'm going to be able to lift my most weight. So if I want to break a plateau or if I want to go for that extra pound or whatever, then I will do it on that face, on my follicular face. And the closer I get to my ovulation day, I know the more weight I can lift. And the, the day when you can actually leave the most weight and do the most excruciating uh, workout will be on the day that you ovulate. Your ovulation day would be the day when everything is higher and you can pretty much eat the world. Um, so that would be, ex- mm. be an excellent day for a game. Like if you are an athlete, like a, a footballer or something, a female footballer, God, it would be amazing if you can have like an important game on that day because you're gonna give your all. Uh, and you're going to be able; your body is going to allow for it. Um, I and guess also,
1: selection policy could be structured around that for individuals, knowing when they are going to be at their peak, and if that game falls on that day, make sure they're in the team. Um, and obviously, other, other individuals who are earlier in their cycle maybe need to rest those particular days. So I really like that approach.
2: I love it. That's proper biohacking. It would be like saying, "Okay, really more of the of the of the female in this in this uh, team." is on the period, who are on the lucha, who are on the follicular, um, and then, yeah, let's, let's time it so the best are at their peak on the most important days, mm. that's amazing, I love mm. it. How,
1: how much impact do you think this would have on you know, events like the Olympics, where it's like one day, you know, everything at all cost, and you know, it'd be quite interesting to see the results of the Olympics, and what stage of did the winner's cycle were, were they on, and how yeah. much impact does that have on results throughout the whole season?
2: God, I'm loving that that would be amazing because also that can give you quite a, a, a heads up on 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 like um, beating your competitor. Mm. If you are on your ovulation day, you could actually beat your competitor who is in here like day before the period, for example. Wow. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: to me it like it's super <laughs> interesting, but it also it also sounds to me like a like a ridiculous kind of discrimination almost because Imagine, imagine, in a selection room going, okay, you know, you're not, you're in the wrong period, you know, the wrong phase of your uh, cycle, so you're not playing today. You're not playing today. You can play. Like, imagine that it'll be like, what? <laughs> you're kicking me out of the team because I'm of where I am in my cycle. Yeah. I just think that's hilarious. It
2: is, and actually, I don't think anyone should be kicked out. Like, if you're feeling like you want to do it, you should be able to do it. Um, but it could yeah. be like an option to have. But obviously not to tell you you can't do it or you can. Like, nobody should be telling you what you can or you cannot do because yeah. of your freaking cycle. <laughs> yeah, it could, be, exactly. it could be discriminatory.
3: Absolutely, I agree with that.
0: So something that, um, you know, I was kind of putting together in my own head and from my own experience and also from what you've been saying is, you know, when we use this phrase in the in the wellness circles quite a lot, you know, listen to your body, listen to your body. But I don't think, in my opinion, you should be listening to your body if you're not eating an optimal diet. If you're on a high-carb diet and you're listening to your body, your body is constantly saying, I'm hungry again. I'm hungry. I want I want a snack. I want a sandwich. I want a pizza. I want ice cream. I'm hungry. Um, so, you know, I think for, for our beginners out there or our listeners that are, are thinking about, you know, trying a low-carb diet, like... It's probably better to, you know, you need discipline initially because initially your brain, your mind is going to be telling you that you're always hungry, that you're always this, you're always that. But once you get more into the low-carb, high-fat diet, when the hormones optimize, because of course, you know, the hunger and the satiation uh, feelings are hormones. And if you're high-carb, those hormones are all out of whack and they're telling you you're hungry all the time. But when you go low-carb and high-fat, those hormones get optimized and your brain starts to send out more accurate messages. You know, So like when you said, um, I, I, I break my fast when I, my body wants to break the fast. I think you you can only listen to your body once your hormones are more optimized uh, and more, um, uh, more natural, I suppose. Would you agree with that? God,
2: I'm so... What you just said there is so important and you're absolutely right. I agree 100%. Like you can't... First of all, you have to clean the communication pathways. <laughs> once, yes. once it's being cleaned up and you can actually communicate with your body, then listen to it. But don't listen to it definitely if you're still insulin resistance with, resistant because that's what your body is going to be telling you is I need sugar every two hours.
3: Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, amazing. That was um, a lot of great information there. Um, I think those were pretty much all my questions there that i had i wonder does james perhaps have any uh outstanding questions
1: do you know what i think we've covered everything that i had on my list that i wanted to, to get into yeah
0: that was absolutely phenomenal i feel like i know a lot more um is there anything gemina that you would like to bring up before our last few uh segments of the podcast
2: well just to like remind everyone that living ancestrally is not just about what you eat it's Mm. reconnecting with the fact that we are animals and the fact that we need we need the sun we need the we need the light we need the darkness we need the movement we need relationships with all the humans we need mm. quite a few things to actually ensure that we get optimum health so for example mm. I was just giving a class a live class before I talked to you guys on relationships and how a toxic mind is a toxic body and not just because you get sad when you're around people who are toxic or who are not treating you well, but also from a bio biochemical point of view, when you are with people like that, you are constantly releasing cortisol. So it it is actually a toxic body. Cortisol will produce inflammation mm. and then you will never be able to be okay physically if you're not good mentally. Same with sleep. If you're not sleeping right, then it's impossible to reverse insulin um, resistance you will always be insulin resistant as long as you're not sleeping well movement is the same um so that's why i developed my program which is the five pillars of ancestral health and it talks about all those pillars to actually achieve optimal health on the 21st century because that's another thing we can't go back to caves and i don't think many of us want to go back to caves (laughs) but you can be done. C-
0: you could go back to a cave but i think you'd after having netflix i think you'd be a little bit miserable <laughs> in a cave so you actually you know sorry to interrupt you but you brought up um, a really interesting um word there and that's ancestral and that's something that i you know am aligning my life with more is is the ancestral principles <laughs> So if someone's listening to this and they go ancestral what do you mean what are you talking about have you got a, a like a short sentence that you use to explain what that means
2: I would say it's what our DNA recognizes um and expects from us and we just have to keep in mind that DNA it's our DNA is millions of years old and we've we'll only been living this way modern which is indoors and away from nature, away from movement, away from others, more, more even nowadays, as we know, um, for the past hundred years. So our DNA hasn't caught up and it's expecting a completely different thing. So our DNA is expecting what it's expecting, which is, yeah, all those things that are easy to do in the 21st century. We don't need to go back to the case. We can do them in the 21st century.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and like and those those things were were you mentioned? You know your five pillars of ancestral health: light exposure, movement, relationships. Uh, what human, were the last
2: two? Optimal human nutrition, which is again high in animal animal foods and low in plant foods and anything else. And then we have um, sleep. sleep. We haven't said sleep, sleep and rest. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Awesome, Jemina. We've got um, just a couple of more very short questions for you. We're we're going to do this with all our guests. It's a quick-fire question. Don't think about it. First thing that comes to your mind. And the first question is, what's your favorite book?
2: 1984.
0: Wow. Oh, wow. I just said it from top of my head. And that's not very good to read
2: now.
3: Please do not read it. That's, it. Yeah, that, <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a that's a freaky book. I mean, it's it's freaky because it's so accurate. Unfortunately, that's
3: what I mean. Please do not read it if you haven't read
2: it. Don't read it now. Oh my God! Yeah. Oh God.
0: Okay. Favorite bit of technology that you might use uh, in your daily life.
2: The internet. <laughs> that, does that count? <laughs> is that too broad? That
0: does count. That's that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. we'll take that. Yeah. Internet is very useful. Well, especially
3: for what uh, I do.
0: Exactly, exactly. We will uh, we'll let people know where to find you. Um, your favorite habit? Have you got a favorite daily habit that you like?
2: Um, my morning coffee, black coffee with salt.
0: Black coffee with salt? Mm-hmm. Ooh, interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, you're savage. How much salt are you putting yeah, in? Yeah,
2: people think that, people, when I say coffee with salt, they imagine that I'm going to put like a teaspoon of salt, like they would do with sugar, and it's like, no, girl, it's yeah. just... <laughs> Just take it with your hands. I usually use real salt. When I go to America, I always bring it. Or I will use um, Himalayan or something like really good, something from caves or minerals. But um, Uh just just what I can take with my fingers and I put it inside of the coffee. It brings up the taste of the coffee and it also gives you electrolytes and minerals first thing in the morning. And I love that. Oh my God, I love it so much. Like, I don't, as many people think that I drink coffee or that they go like, why do you drink coffee? Do you not rest enough? And i like, who told you that I drink coffee because I need energy? I wake up very, very energetic, but I'm Colombian mm. as well. <laughs> like, hello.
0: <laughs> exactly. You're drinking coffee before you go to sleep. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> I love my morning coffee. My best. Um,
0: beautiful. I love that too. Um, I've actually, I've been off coffee now for about two weeks. Wow. I found that, you know, about two weeks ago, I was drinking coffee and it just didn't taste good. Like, for some reason, my body was like, nope, not enjoying this coffee. So uh, I just quit coffee about two weeks ago and I feel I feel okay. I mean, I'm starting to miss it now, especially bulletproof coffee. I've been thinking about that. But yeah, interesting. I've I've been off coffee for two weeks. My heart rate variability has has shot up, which is a really good thing. I was really happy to see Mm. that. Okay, um, one more question if you could go back ten years and give yourself a little piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be?
2: Oh my God, girl, you've got insulin resistance, <laughs> and it's reversible. But I would say Beautiful. that, to my, that. To twenty years ago because ten years ago is actually when I realized about this. So I would go even back than yeah. that. I would I would go to when I was thirteen and go like, you don't, insulin God, resistance. I would say so I would have saved so much suffering.
0: beautiful Yeah. that's amazing and our absolute last segment before we say goodbye Um, I'm really enjoying doing this I'm not sure if if our guests are or if our listeners are but anyway until someone complains I think I'll keep doing it (laughs) this is a a reading from a book called The Daily Stoic which is an amazing book written by Ryan Holiday and Stephen Hanselman Uh, it's designed where you you just read a page a day every page has got a date and it starts off with a a paragraph a quote from a really famous stoic which today's reading will is by marcus aurelius who was a roman emperor of course and then it's it has another paragraph after that which is like a a modern take by ryan holiday on on the famous quote so i'm going to read the quote and um if anyone has anything to say we can have a little chat if nobody has anything to say, fine, we'll move on with our lives. But I'll read the quote now. The title which I actually really like, I think it's perfect for today is Our well-being lies in our actions. Those obsessed with glory attach their well-being to the regard of others. Those who love pleasure tie it to feelings. But the one with true understanding seeks it only in their own actions. Think on the character of the people one wishes to please. The possession one means to gain and the tactics one employs to such ends. How quickly time erases such things and how many will yet be wiped away. And that was by Marcus Aurelius. If your happiness is dependent on accomplishing certain goals, what happens if fate intervenes? What if you're snubbed, if outside events interrupt? What if you do achieve everything, but find that nobody is impressed? That's the problem with letting your happiness be determined by things you can't control. It's an insane risk. If an actor focuses on the public reception to a project, Whether critics like it or whether it's a hit, they will be constantly disappointed and hurt. But if they love their performance and put everything they have into making the best of what they're capable of, they will always find satisfaction in their job. Like them, we should take pleasure from our actions in taking the right actions rather than the results that come from them. Our ambition should not be to win. But to play with our full effort. Our intention is not to be thanked or recognized, but to help and to do what we think is right. Our focus is not what on what happens to us, but on how we respond. In this, we will always find contentment, and resilience. So I think that's um, you know, boils down to <laughs> do your best. Yeah, absolutely. Always do the.
1: I think. Most individuals are very goal-driven, but again, you don't always have complete control over whether you achieve that goal or not. And especially for me personally, you know, it's about finding happiness in the process, in planning, in methodically going through you know, what you can control, and whether you achieve the end goal or not, it shouldn't really dictate whether you're happy or not. It's really about you know, enjoying the process, enjoying the journey. I think that's what they're talking about, you know, enjoy that performance that you've got control mm-hmm. over. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I also exactly. think that that talks a lot about being present. So if you're constantly and and Alan Watts talks a lot about this. I love Alan Watts, and he in in the wisdom of our, of uncertainty in his book The Wisdom of Uncertainty, he precisely talks about that. It's like we are always happy because we are pursuing, or we are all, we're only happy when we can pursue future goals. But if we are always pursuing then we're never present and then we're never mm. enjoying what's happening right now which is the only reality that exists um
3: yeah and
2: that's the reason why he says like if they tell you that you're going to die tomorrow then you're miserable because you don't have anything else to look forward to as opposed to well mm. i am present i am here right now i'm still i still can enjoy the now so well
0: Exactly, and and with my own my own experience, just actually right now, literally yesterday, um, you know, I'm doing a, a kind of workout on on gymnastic rings, where the the end goal is is the muscle up, which is a, a very difficult um, maneuver to do on the rings, and I actually was surprised that I could do them. I surprised myself a few weeks ago that I'm I'm actually strong enough to do them but that's not I don't, I don't want that to be the focus because if i jump on the rings without proper work proper re, uh, prehab proper warm up i'm going to hurt myself so i'm completely forgetting about the goal of the muscle up and i'm just i'm enjoying the process of, of the you know they call it the regressions doing all these boring movements to prepare your body to you know have an injury free muscle up so yeah just to yeah i'm working on on the actual process as opposed to like, oh my God, I did it. I'm such a hero, you know, it's... Well,
2: I need to hear that. I
0: also happen to think that, that anybody can do a muscle-up, you know. I had a couple of friends message me and say, oh my God, you're, I'm so impressed by the muscle-up, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I, I didn't take pride in that I could do it. Or well, the first thing I thought was, you can do it too. If you do the process, you can do it too, you know, so super exciting amazing guys thank you gemina for your time today we i really had a great time talking to you it was you know i I got a feeling we can we can carry on with the subject for a long time um but before we go can you just can you let everybody know i mean i I think most most of your content is in spanish um but if you can let everybody know where they can find you anyway where they can find you on instagram or twitter and youtube especially
2: yeah absolutely yeah all my work is in spanish but i do speak english (laughs) so you can contact me in english as well um but you can find me especially my two most active outlets are youtube with um functional female force is the channel and Mm -hmm. on instagram which i am the functional force and i will be super happy to connect with all of you guys there
0: amazing Kamina, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or even if you didn't enjoy it, please take the time to leave us some feedback either on iTunes or Spotify or Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. We want to get better. We want to get more interesting. So if you've got any feedback for us, we'd really love a review. Thank you, James. Thank you, Kamina. We'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you. Thanks a lot.